everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. My name is Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And of course, we are joined by our fourth silent crew member, uh, Mr. Silas Erickson. Yep. Who's right. increasingly not silent. Yeah, that's all right. So if you hear him, he's here again. Uh, you know, how, how old is he now? Five, Five months, months tomorrow. Yeah. Saturday. No, tomorrow. Saturday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wow. Wow. Almost We're half a year. Yeah. Flies so, by. So he's uh he's getting to the age where he should be able to hold a microphone soon. Yeah. And be yeah. Able to talk Almost himself. there. Great. It'll take more over my spot here soon. So well, what, I mean, his last right. name's Erickson, right? Yeah. So and, I wouldn't even know. Yeah. It and it's a pretty cool name, Silas. You know, it's, it like takes it. over the Regent name because Regent's yeah. also unique. So yeah. I think you, you know the last episode we actually started off with a few Silas jokes as well. So <laughs> Guys, I promise next up, ep- I promise next episode I won't start off with Silas jokes. How about that? But anyway, welcome to Centered, Committed, Confident. As always, this podcast is about helping you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and to become more confident in the Word of God. Today, we're taking a little bit of a break from our series in the New City Catechism because we've had a listener question come in, and I I keep on telling you guys if you have questions, send them in. We'll take some time. We'll talk about them. We'll take a break from the series, and this is a good question to talk about and. Um, I think it's a very timely question because I just a couple weeks ago in the college ministry, I preached a bit on sanctification. Pastor Rob has recently preached on it, both, um, you know, he's mentioned it quite a bit in his weekend services, but also at this uh, leadership conference we just had at our church, he did a whole message on sanctification. So it's just, it's coming up in my life quite a bit, and I, I know it's being brought up just throughout our church. So this is a good topic to talk about. Uh, what is a listener question? Well, let, let me list the question, then we'll sort of go our own way, describe a few things, set some definitions, and we'll come back to the question. The question uh, in general, like if I were going to summarize it, is, is God being sanctified? And the reason this question comes up is because we, we talk about us being sanctified all the time, which mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into that definition in a minute. We talk about us being sanctified all the time, um, but there are some scriptures, particularly like in Leviticus, that God is saying, like, do this, that I may be sanctified among the people. So there's this language in Scripture about God being sanctified. And that sounds a little weird when we're thinking about our normal context of Mm -hmm. sanctification. So that's the question on the table. We're not going to answer it right off the bat. Let's give some background for the listeners who are a little unfamiliar with that language or would like more of a definition on sanctification. So what is sanctification like when we use it in our day-to-day language as Christians what are the things we're implying and describing it's essentially the process of becoming more and more like Christ right so once you're saved you're justified you're made right before God and then you spend the rest of your life becoming more and more like Jesus yeah and uh, that is like I think that is the quickest way to define it I think also Pastor Rob he said he said that the exact same thing. I mean, he also gave like a, a slightly longer definition mm-hmm. that I like too. It was at the the leadership conference, which Hannah, you were at. Yeah. And Regent, you were watching Silas. I was watching Silas. It was but fun. I think he said it's the the process, maybe is the word he used, but it's the the process of um, becoming less sinful and more righteous. Yeah. Yeah. I think is the, the it's really close to that wording, um, which is exactly, you know, the idea of becoming more holy, right? Less yeah. sinful, more righteous. I like the word process. This is, this is a lifelong journey when we talk mm-hmm. of sanctification. It's not, there's no, there's no point in life where I'd say that you are fully sanctified until you mm-hmm. are with Jesus. In mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there's a couple routes I want to take. I want to talk about our status of being sanctified or are sanctified or were sanctified because scripture does use a different language. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's this it's um, different tenses on how we are or mm-hmm. were or will be. So I want to talk about that. And then I also want to talk about the agents of sanctification, like what causes sanctification mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which route do we want to take first? What do you think? Let's do agents. All right. Yeah. Right. So... Agents, what I mean by that is there are things that work in our life to cause us to be more holy. Mm. What What's an obvious one? Holy Spirit. <laughs> exactly. Eat ya. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit is uh, God uh, placing his spirit within us that we would be more holy. That um, how, how does the spirit go about doing that? I'd say that spirit goes about primarily in just revealing the truth of the Lord to us through scripture as well as convicting us, um, like I would primarily through our sin and revealing our sin, whether it be through scripture and convicting us of our actions or our thoughts regarding that and helping us to sin less. And part of that is knowing what your sin was and then repenting of that before the Lord. Silas had something to say about that as well. Yeah, he did. I hope he agreed. Preach it, Silas. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really good. Yep. I, I agree with that. Hannah, do you have anything to add? I think that's great. I'd also um, just mention, like, you know, it says in Scripture that the Spirit is the one that allows us to understand Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, to understand mm-hmm. the things of God itself. So even um, it is the language of holiness yep. mm-hmm. is like a good way to put it. You know, it, it allows you to interpret the words that are said in regards to our, our holiness and our sanctification. Yeah. Um, so it, it's sort of like the lenses that you have to put on in order to see. Yeah. It's the flashlight. Mm-hmm. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no sanctification. You need the you need the Spirit to carry you forward in sanctification. He enables it to even happen. And yeah. he guarantees that at the end we'll also be glorified. And that's kind of the end of the sanctification process. And so he's the one that enables it and he he's the one that um like gets us to the finish line essentially. Yeah, and I think I'm um, I'm looking it up right now as as we're talking. I think it's 1 Corinthians 2.14. I'm trying to pull it up. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not mm. able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Mm. I think that's about as clear as we can make it. Like, yeah. That's you, good. You cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God unless you can spiritually discern them, and they can only be spiritually discerned if you have the Spirit. Yeah. And the things that are spiritually discerned are the things that make us more holy. Mm-hmm. All right. So... The Holy Spirit is an agent of that. Um, I want to continue with that. There's a few other ways mm-hmm. besides just how it relates to understanding God. Hannah, did you have something you were going to... I think it's important, too, as we're talking about this, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling and enabling this in the life of every believer. I know that I have um, some friends in um, the Catholic faith that don't believe that, that only um, people in certain positions are able to understand Scripture and that... Um, the spirit doesn't enable each one of us to do that. And so I think it's just important for us to clarify um, that we believe that the Holy Spirit indwells each believer and enables them with um, and opening their eyes to the truth of Scripture, um, convicting them of their sin and all of those things to every believer. Yeah, and I think that lines up with scriptures that say that the, all of believers are a priesthood. Mm-hmm. Right, First Peter, like for you are a royal or a, you are a holy priesthood, right? Um, just this idea um, of you know what I think I said that wrong. Let me pull it up. 
I used to have this one memorized. Is it a holy nation? You are a chosen race, a holy nation. And a royal priesthood. Yeah, royal. I think I said holy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Anyway, royal priesthood. But it's the idea that every believer is a priest. They mm-hmm. don't need someone to act on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then pretty much the entire book of Hebrews mm-hmm. explains <laughs> yeah. how Jesus factors into that as well. Um, I, w- I would say just, you know, I, I think this lines up really well with what Hannah was just saying. The idea that the Holy Spirit convicts mm-hmm. is a, a big deal as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just conviction based on what we're reading at the moment. It's conviction of when we are in a, a when we're, when our eyes aren't in scripture, even we're having a, let's say a, a conversation with somebody and we sin against them. Mm-hmm. We say something towards them that is not glorifying to the Lord. The Holy Spirit in that moment is convicting us of it. Mm-hmm. it it's showing yep. us and revealing to us our sin, even apart from our eyes being on scripture in that moment, right? It is because mm-hmm. it is God speaking to us. Um, so the Holy Spirit is crucial to that as well for conviction of sin and revelation of sin in our lives. I think the Spirit also prompts us, whether it's prompt us to do something, prompt us to um, pray something to God, that He is guiding our hearts and our minds constantly. Yeah, and it, it, the Spirit also prompts us to action that will lead us to further holiness. Yeah. Yep. So... Like maybe right now, as you're listening to this podcast, the spirit is prompting you to, let me say this, the spirit is prompting you to ask a question, Mm -hmm. a question that you need answered. And that maybe for some reason, God has chosen that he wants us to answer that in your life, or at least begin that discussion. It's not necessarily sin to write to to Mm -hmm. like, it's not like everybody out there not asking a question is not sinning, but it's this, this thing in which God through the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit is pushing you to prompting you to do something that may aid in your holiness and your sanctification that is, is further than just revealing sin. So great. And there's so many other ways, but prompting and conviction and Mm -hmm. scripture are some major buckets of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Right. Yep. Okay. Agents. Um, we sort of said them, but let's be even more specific. The, the word of God itself is an agent of, yep. of holiness, or uh, sorry, an agent of sanctification in our lives. How so? It, Revealing we, the truth yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. 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 It, it defines the truth of the Lord. It's yeah. what we can go back to consistently. Yeah. It's what we read. I mean, it literally says, thus says the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and then tells you certain things not to do. Yeah. It brings clarity, definition, contrast, all those things. Um, of course, through the spirit, which we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, I would add the body of Christ is mm-hmm. an agent of sanctification for sure. Yeah. I notice how we say it's the word of God. The Holy spirit is called the spirit of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ, you know, so technically, not technically, actually it is, <laughs> it is all God doing the yeah. sanctification in our lives, yeah. but it's, it's through these ways that, that is God speaking to us and working in us and through us. Right. So yeah. set them apart for this purpose. Yeah. So the, the body of Christ, right. How is that aid in our sanctification? That gives you a group of people to come together that they can know you. And when somebody knows you intimately and deeply, they know the sin that's in your life and they can call you out on it. Um, there can be cases where you might be sinning and you're not aware of it. Um, people do that often. Um, and you, the body of Christ can call that out in you and help you know about that. And then you can repent of it and grow in your sanctification. Yeah. And I'd also add to that, that um, the body of Christ can bring things up to you that you don't naturally bring to yourself. 
And and the way yeah. the way I think yeah. about that is, um, I was not concerned with understanding the Book of Revelation this year, right? Like in my life, that was not I was not self prompted to do that. Um, but my church was prompted. My senior pastor was prompted to take the church through the book of Revelation. And so part of the sharpening and sanctification that happens within the body are people who are listening to the Spirit of God while the Spirit of God mm-hmm. is working in your life in different ways that are bringing you to and through something that you need, um, but you may not be pushing yourself towards it. <laughs> it's sort of like the idea of like, why do many people need personal trainers? Because the personal trainer is going to push them into things and, and push them harder and further than they would naturally push themselves into. And the spirit is a billion times better of an example than oh, that yeah. as well. That's good. Yeah, I think too, um, it's not just for conviction, but also for encouragement. Yeah. That how you say like you go further together. And so to have a whole community around you that is not only helping call out sin, but also um, encouraging you in your walk and um, helping you be motivated in your walk with the Lord. Um, yeah, that, I feel like it's not just like the hard things, but also for the good things. Yep. Just, you know, I don't know why this is on my mind, but that relates once again back to like the idea of a personal trainer thing like fitness classes. One of the ideas of, of doing fitness together um, is that you are pushed harder by yeah. the people around you and with you in a, an encouraging way as well. Um, good. So uh, did you have something yeah, else? Yeah, one more thing. I think with the body of Christ too, um, the fact that it's intergenerational, that we have people going before us and people that we can look towards of how do we live a godly life to the very end um, and then the ability to fulfill the Great com- Commission and disciple people, um, which is also you know an outpouring of your sanctification and all that can happen best within the body of the local church. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. So uh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the uh, body of Christ, all agents within our sanctification as well. Anything um, particular that we want to add to that? I don't know that we need to, to discuss this too much, but I think prayer is another one that is an ancient agent of sanctification as well. I mean, you're talking with the Lord, and so He can reveal to you what you need to be sanctified in clearly. And really that's all spiritual disciplines that we talked about how the spirit enables us and um, causes us to be able to do. But then we also have this responsibility um, of kind of our end of things, which is to do the work of, um, yeah, spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, um, Mm -hmm. being together in fellowship with other believers scripture, memory, all those things are other agents that help us in this process of sanctification. Good. I think that handles a lot of a good understanding of sanctification. Um, Let's talk just a little bit about the statuses of sanctification. I don't uh, the tenses of sanctification. And and here's what I mean. I'm going to read just a a few um, verses that sort of set up. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.11 and such were some of you, so this is turning it to talk about, you know, how we were all sinners, um, Paul is, and 1 Corinthians six eleven. but you were washed, you were sanctified, you mm-hmm. were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So that sounds past tense, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrews ten fourteen though, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time, so talking of us, Jesus, talking about what Jesus is doing. He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
So now all of a sudden we have you were sanctified Mm -hmm. and you are being sanctified. So thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this is one of the many things in our faith. um, That's kind of this already, but not yet. And so we kind of live in this weird dynamic of because of the work of Jesus, when we um, are justified, we are made right before God. So he sees us in the righteousness of Christ. Um, And so we can't earn this righteousness. And so in that way, we are sanctified. Like we are already made holy and made right before God because of our justification. But then we have this not yet, like because we have not yet been glorified, we are not yet in eternity. Um, We are still living in this day and age where we are in the process of, um, or kind of in the outpouring of what we've already been declared, right? So we have been declared holy and righteous before God. And now that's being revealed through this process of being sanctified. And so we are already sanctified yet we are not yet fully sanctified. Yeah. God's promises are so good. God's promises are so uh, give, should give us so much assurance, right? Let's talk about faith. Like we've been talking about in Hebrews, uh-huh. we have the assurance of things hoped for is part of the definition of faith in Hebrews. Like, our ultimate sanctification being made holy to rule and reign alongside Christ is so assured for the believer that it is done. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so because we have such a strong assurance of the things hoped for, we can say we are sanctified because that inheritance is so guaranteed mm. that we have received it in many yep. ways. Um, yeah, I think it just, I love the word were be, simply because it's it shows the strength of God's promise and how every promise is yes and amen in mm-hmm. him, yep. right? So beautiful being sanctified makes a lot of sense because it is an ongoing process like we've been talking about um, because I, I think any of you that are have a speck of honesty within you know yeah. you are sinful still, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have sin, you commit it. Um, Pastor Rob is really, really poignant to, to point out at this leadership conference, right, that um, you are not made uh, righteous by nature when you accept Christ in the sense like you you do not become holy in the fact that you never sin. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. we are covered in the righteousness. You know, we are seen as righteous, but by nature, we are not righteous. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you you do not become perfect when you accept Christ. And there are people that will preach that and they are false teachers. They are heretics, Right. Um, we, we cross over from being sinners to being saints, but we are still saints with a capacity to sin. Yep. I mean, Paul talked about that in Romans when he's like, um, I know what I should do, but I don't do that. And then I don't do what I want to do. And he's like in this whole conundrum of, I know where my stance is before the Lord and I still sin. Yeah. Peter is a great example. You know, Peter was sinning and Paul had to confront him. It mentions it in Galatians, like confront him to his face. Well, if Peter was this amazing Christian that was preaching the gospel of Christ in Acts, and then all of a sudden we see him sinning enough that another apostle has to confront him, if we follow the preaching that you're perfect after you come to Christ, then we should say that Peter was not a Christian. Yeah. Right, which is just... <laughs> you or you have to do some really crazy yeah. gymnastics oh, yeah, the, to you know, understand that. The apostle that wrote a good a tiny little chunk of scripture, he, oh, he wasn't a Christian. You know, like, It's only Cody's favorite book. Yeah, right? Yeah. The, yeah, it is my favorite book. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that's the reason why we've never gone through first Peter in the college ministry yet, because it's my favorite book. And because I don't want to just pick it because it's my favorite. Really? So. <laughs> I feel like you can't pick yeah. it because it's your favorite book. First Peter. So good. All right. Anyway, 
Um, let's get to listener question. We're 20 minutes in, and the, I think the answering the question is going to be pretty short, right? So all these things that we understand about sanctification, they have to deal with the fact that we're not pure and perfect. Mm-hmm. But God is pure and perfect, right? So why in passages like Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 22, verses 31, why does it say, this is the Lord speaking, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord, and you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. So if that if we just built this whole understanding of sanctification, what? <laughs> Valid question. And that's what the listener is feeling, right? Yeah. Just, okay, like Cody just told me what sanctification is, but I mean, it sounds like God is saying that he needs to be made pure and holy. Yeah. So what do we think about that? Yeah, I um, love this question. I've never thought about this. Yeah, neither, neither, neither have I. Yeah. yeah, so listener, great job. So it's really interesting. I used um, Blue Letter Bible, which is an app we've talked about in the past. Um, you can look back on other episodes. The apps that made us, I think, yes. is, yes. is what it's called. Yes. Yeah. And so I looked up, because um, at first I was like, oh, maybe it's like a different word, you know, than to sanctify, um, like for us to be sanctified. But then in that same verse, it's used twice since the same word. So I was like, wait, what does that mean? You're kind of furthering this conundrum. Um, but then one of the words that can be used in place to sanctify, and some versions use it, is hallowed. Um, mm. And so you think about the Lord's Prayer, right? And um, hallowed be thy name. And so we see that in the New Testament also. And so it's more of this idea, not that God is being made more perfect, but that his um, glory, his holiness is being made known more mm. among the people. That we see all over in the Old Testament, he does things so that, um, so that the nations may know that he is the Lord. And here is so that those in Israel would know more and more that God is who he says he is and that we can't take in his holiness all at once and we can't take in his glory all at once, um, mm. but it is all there all the time. And so for him to be sanctified, for him to be hallowed is for us to see more and more um, of this, um, of who he already is. Yeah, and I think of it too in terms of how it relates to words like glorified, Mm-hmm. Right, that God may be glorified among the people might be something we're used to hearing a little bit more, um, but we need to understand God is already at His utmost glory. Yep. Right? He, his glory is not changed or adapted based on who is paying attention to it or not. He is already a hundred percent most glorious, and for us to say that He may be glorified, it's the exact same idea of like that His glory may be made known, and that people, like the people of Israel, particularly in this may glorify him and see him as glorified. Mm-hmm. And so relate that back to sanctification, exactly what Hannah was saying, the idea that he is already the most holy he can be, but it's the idea that his holiness would be made known among the people. I think it's very good. I don't have much to add to that. I mean, to me, you know, if you we're not changing the text if you go back to it and look at it from that perspective. You're not changing the meaning of the text. No, especially since he says among the people. Yeah, that right? really stands out to me too in the fact that like he's being set apart among the people. Yeah, because if he were to say that I might be sanctified and leave it there, it could leave a little more like, what? Yeah. It, it, but the fact that the words among the people are there lets you know that the concern is actually how it's translated among yeah. each person, you know? And, and I, you know, let's take non-God 
things, like there are lots of things that can be made holy among people, right? Look mm-hmm. at cults, right? And in, in other cults, there are things, other books, other quote unquote scriptures, other objects, idols that are made holy among people. Yeah. And, and that um, in that group of people, that is considered to be holy. And so it can be the exact same concept, but God is saying, I'm the actual holy one. And because I'm the actual holy one, they need to know that I'm holy and they need to acknowledge it as well. But I think that covers the question. Hannah, did you have anything you'd like to add? Can we just talk for a minute just about why we need God to already be perfectly holy? Like how will our faith fall apart if we find out that God is still being sanctified? Like in the fact that he is still becoming holier and holier and he needs us in order for him to be more holy. So meaning like God is not constantly shifting towards holiness. He's not. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, like what the answer to the question is God being sanctified in, like, in the sense that we're sanctified. Like if that answer is yes, why does our faith completely fall apart? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the first route mine takes is to me, that implies a certain level of um, mute ability from God rather than immutability, meaning God changes. Right. And mm-hmm. the promises of God do rest upon the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and and that all his promises are uh, rest in his glory and holiness and power. And to have those things taken away, first of all, means that he's not trustworthy, that he's he's not predictable in the sense of like you can't rely on anything that he says, because the idea that someone that like a being like him could be made holy also implies that he could be made unholy yep. and that his direction could change. And so if all of history is heading towards, you know, us seeing God's holiness and all of a sudden there's a possibility that he could actually be made less holy if something goes wrong. Um, it takes away his sovereignty. It takes away his power. It takes away um, his omniscience, his omnipotence, you yeah. know, like all those things. And so that directly calls into question the promise of the cross. If he needs us to make him holy, how how can we be sure? How can he, he can make actually us save holy? Us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. If, if he needs to be made holy, how can he make us holy? You know, and, and I love what you said, Regent, it's probably the most important thing is that um, the whole idea of Jesus dying on the cross for you was that somebody perfect and holy paid for your yeah. sins. And yes, was he one man? Yes, but he was a perfect and holy man. And it's the power found within that that allows him to be the lamb that covers all sins and not just a lamb that covers sins for a certain time. Yep. And so even that holiness is is where the power of the cross emanates from. So good. That's a great clarification. You have more clarifications? All right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much, listener, for your question. Guys, keep on submitting them. If we don't get another one, we'll return back to our New City Catechism series next week. But until then, just know we're praying for you. We love you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>